Hi there, we're tripping through TikTok. Just nurse. Nursing. Last night I went to the county fair and this video is going to be things I saw at my very American county fair that I think would put Europeans into a coma. <laughs> Number one is going to be the no hormones, no antibiotic burgers. Dang it. I wanted the estrogen penicillin burger. Number two is going to be deep fried pizza. This thing looks like it survived the Chernobyl nuclear breakdown. Like, have you guys seen the HBO special in Chernobyl and seen the scene where the guy in the hospital's face melts off? Well, if you haven't, this is what he looks like. Number three is going to be this uh, forearm-sized hot dog. I should call him. I forgot what number we're on, but this entire menu, this entire fucking menu would put the average European, just reading it, just looking at this, would put them into a coma and into diabetic ketoacidosis. Uh, this specific mural of Avril Lavigne, I think, would also do it. This overpriced cup of corn. Seven this uh, casual depiction of domestic violence on the Haunted Mansion. This flaming hot Cheeto cheeseburger. Or, I raise you, chocolate-covered bacon. This was a stand that was selling um, unpackaged surgical instruments. Because sterility is for the birds. <laughs> DIY surgery. For when your American healthcare system implodes. Um, oh, you need an appendectomy? I'm sure there's a YouTube video for that. Oh, you thought I was kidding? No, they literally had 18 different sizes of hemostats. Specifically what? this wall what and this fuck? collection and organization no. of murals. Um, the American flag, see-through toupee on Trump's head. Huh. Indigenous American hitting a bong and the v for vendetta over the u.s constitution <laughs> um the personal favorite american flag and right underneath it a flag with assault rifles because before we are americans we are guns last night i went to the county fair and this video is going to be things i saw at my very american county fair that i think would put europeans into a coma <laughs> number one you see, this is the issue with trying to have any kind of discourse about the dangers of the fascism in the GOP online. The only thing people know how to do is to pander into the two-party system and go, well, what about the Democrats? The Democrats aren't pushing for a fascist, Christian, nationalist regime. <laughs> Period. The end. Democrats are useless. Useless. Fucking pointless. Yeah. There's literally no benefit in having a Democrat in office other than Stop preventing a Christian fascist takeover. We're just maintaining the yeah. status quo, which is a real shitty status quo. Yeah. We're not making any progress. She's totally right. But at least we're not fucking falling into, like, kids having to read the Bible party system means that the two parties are the same. They're not the same. Party in the United States and the other is still serving the ultra wealthy, but 
at least they aren't fucking trying to, like, initiate a genocide. Like, this isn't the dig that you thought it was. It's not. Um, Democrats might be useless. But Republicans are literally having rallies where people in one hand are holding a swastika on a flag and then in the other hand are holding a DeSantis 2024 flag. When the Nazis are open-faced supporting your party, you got to start asking questions. And you can't say that the two parties are the same thing. You can can you see You see, this is the issue with trying to have any kind of discourse about the dangers of the fascism in the GOP online. The only thing people know how to do is to pander into the two-party system and go, well, what about the Democrats? The Democrats aren't pushing for a fascist Christian nationalist regime. Period. The end. Democrats are useless. Useless. Fucking pointless. There's literally no benefit in having a Democrat in office other than preventing a Christian fascist takeover. We're just maintaining... Nurses are the sexiest women on the planet. They're sexier than models. They're sexier than strippers. They're sexier than teachers. Nurses are the sexiest woman on the planet. They're sexier than models. They're sexier than strippers. They're sexier than teachers. Nurses are the sexiest. <laughs> It's actually so funny because this is the exact type of person I was talking about in that video. Like, clearly is an anti-vaxxer. Clearly thinks science is somehow a political thing. Basic science. That's fine. But this is the exact person. Her other comment? Talking about immigrants taking over blue cities? We are all the same lies being spread over and over again on Fox News to cause infighting amongst the working class. You've been brainwashed. You and I have way more in common than you do with Tucker Carlson. I promise. The real difference between you and I is you have drank the Kool-Aid. It's actually so funny because this is the exact type of person... The average conservative is honestly a deeply, deeply unhappy human being. And the reason why, I think, is because modern-day conservatism literally just weaponizes fear and fear responses in order to brainwash people into doing the bidding of the bourgeoisie. We are living in end-stage capitalism, where companies like BlackRock and Vanguard are going in and buying in cash all the available single-family homes, driving up rent prices. The average rent in this country has gone up 200% in the last seven years. Last seven years. The cost of living has nearly doubled. Meanwhile, we haven't seen a raise of the federal minimum wage since the early 90s. 
we literally are starving. We can't afford milk. We can't afford eggs. We can't afford our rent. We can't afford our prescriptions. We can't afford insulin. We can't afford health care. We can't afford our education. But they have us fighting this culture war over things like masks during COVID. But once COVID went away, oh, okay, now we're hyper-focusing on trans children, on trans people. A group of the population that makes up 0.8% of the population, they have us bickering over that while they steal our homes out from underneath us and they double the price of fucking food. I need Americans to be so fucking for real right now. So fucking for real right now. I need conservatives to be so fucking for real right now. When was the last time you literally actually even interacted with a trans person? You claim that you're upset because you're worried about the welfare of children. What about the fact that your children will never be able to buy a home, will never be able to live in a fucking functional, healthy environment? The fact that your children will not be able to afford to go to school. The fact that your children will literally be living in a system where everything that we need to survive doubles in price every two years, but our means of income stay the same. We are heading so quickly into a greased chute of poverty for the working class. And y'all are fucking mad about trans kids. Be so fucking for real right now. I literally don't even know how to talk to these people because they don't understand that their anger, their fear, they are so terrified. And that fear is being weaponized in order to serve the fucking will of the bourgeoisie. Elon Musk, fucking Jeffrey Bezos, all of the richest, richest people on this planet who don't give a fuck if you live or die. And our congressional elective officials are literally just bidding this fucking war out for them. I am so sick of this country. It is so fucking embarrassing, the lack of basic comprehension, the lack of reality checks. People literally think that... <laughs> Conservatives care about girls kissing girls? Everything that we need to survive doubles in price every two years, but our means of income stay the same. We are heading so quickly into a greased chute of poverty for the working class, and y'all are fucking mad about trans kids. Be so fucking for real right now. I literally don't even know how to talk to these people because they don't understand that their anger, their fear, they are so terrified and that fear is being weaponized in order to serve the fucking will of the bourgeoisie. Elon Musk, fucking Jeffrey Bezos, all of the richest, richest people on this planet who don't give a fuck if you live or die. And our congressional elective officials are literally just bidding this fucking war out for them. I am so sick of this country. It is so fucking embarrassing, the lack of basic comprehension, the lack of reality checks. People literally think that <coughs> conservatives care about girls kissing girls? About boys that were born as girls? No, they don't give a fuck. They're just triggering your fear response so that you give a fuck, so that you and I can't band together and fucking make insulin affordable. Make fucking a gallon of milk affordable. Keep our fucking homes affordable. Please, be so fucking for real.
The average conservative is honestly. I wanna be But at the end of the day, I don't care. I'm crazier than you are by a lot. But at the end of the day, I don't care. impossible for you to view the reports that you've made um, in the way that TikTok makes it easy and very accessible to view the reports that you've made. Um, and I somehow got into the screen where I was able to see all of the reports I had made on Instagram over the last few months. Mind you, 99% of them have been for hate speech. Most of them have been from people commenting on my posts um, where I'm advocating for queer and trans people, specifically comments from men that are so bad. If I were to repeat them on this video, this video would be taken down immediately. 
tell me why, and I counted, out of the 426 reports I have made of hate speech in the last year, none have been taken down. None. None. And I'm talking violent, violent threats, violent hate speech. And the reason, the reason is not that these comments weren't deemed harmful. They were never evaluated. None of the hate speech comments I have reported, none of the 426 examples of hate speech I have reported to Instagram and Facebook have even been evaluated by their staff. And the, the, I'll show you the screen. This is the message that I've gotten every single time, if I even get a message. Due to the volume of reports that they get, they haven't been able to review anything, which means that there is just rampant hate speech all over Instagram and Facebook, and they are doing not shit about it. But TikTok is the threat to children. This paired with the information that Barrett Paul, a good friend of mine, has been covering regarding the child content on Instagram and the fact that Instagram has become a safe haven for child content. It's just, um, it's, all of it, all of it completely ties together in my mind. Because at the end of the day, Meta is going to make money from the predators and the bigots using their platform. And that's more important to them than making it a safe space for people and children. I also want to say personally, because I know it's happening to other women, I've received about two dozen unsolicited photos, pics, in the last, I don't know, probably year. Um, I get the same message when I report those. So, yeah, Instagram's not taking down hate speech. It's not taking down harassment and bullying. It's not taking down or banning the accounts of men hunting for children. And it's not taking down or banning the accounts of men literally sexually harassing women. And I'm sure others. Okay, so I noticed a really disturbing... If you see me using the cat emoji, the peach emoji, and the dog emoji, what I am saying is pussy ass bitch. I'm calling you a pussy ass bitch. If you see me using the cat emoji, do you know What it feels like being a DV survivor watching people certificate forget that this piece of piece of shit shot a woman because he didn't want her to leave a conversation and knowing that they would have forgiven and continued supporting the person who hurt you too if he had made music they liked. What? Hey, so I was wondering, no, you can't hit, and I'm not going to your house.
Hey, so I was wondering if no, you can't hit, and I'm not going to your house. Hey, so I was wondering if no, you can't hit, and I'm not going to your house. <laughs> I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Oh, feet. I want to... Let's see my red flags. in this country, Mac Daddy you can't unsee what I'm about to show you. You might want to start checking Amazons for blankets because this gas furnace behind me, you don't get to have one of those either because that was invented by a black woman named Alice Parker around 1920. She received a patent on it. Yeah, that's how we stay warm today. I mean, if you love potato chips, they gotta go because a man named George Crumb, a chef in New York, had sent french fries out with a meal and a customer complained. So what did Mr. Crumb do? He sliced potatoes so thin, fried them up, dumped a bunch of salt on them, and sent them out. And that is the American delight of potato chips. They gotta go. I mean, here in the bathroom, Lana Newman patented the first hairbrush with synthetic bristles in 1898. And she's just the third black American woman to ever receive a patent. I know this isn't going to affect those skinheads very much. In 1892, George Sampson of Dayton, Ohio, received patent number 476,416 for what is the forerunner of the modern dryer we use today. It's going to suck dry on your clothes outside. In the late 1880s, Samuel Scottron of Pennsylvania patented the curtain rod. 
Ooh, let's go piss off some white girls. It's going to be really hard to plan racist rallies without a, a color monitor. Invented by Mark Dean, an engineer at IBM, he is also on three of the original nine patents of the IBM PC that came out in 1981. Did you know in 1897, Albert Crowell in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, developed the mechanized ice cream scoop. You know, the click-click that separates the ice cream from the spoon, changing the way ice cream is served. And if you're racist and an ice cream lover, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. I told you it's going to get worse. Augustus Jackson, the father of ice cream, pioneered many of the methods we have today to enjoy ice cream, including the way we salt it. Another thing about being a racist, you're going to have to give up the freezer and frozen foods because Frederick McKinley Jones of Ohio was orphaned at nine years old with a sixth grade education. A young biracial boy grew up to invent Thermo King, which is the reason why we have frozen foods that are shipped and stored in stores and our homes. you got to give up ice cream and frozen pieces. <laughs> so if you still want to be a racist... There are some things you're going to need to purge from your life. If you would, just put it out on a curb. I'll send some trucks around to pick it up, and we'll go give it up to real Americans who really need it. Have a great day. If you're really committed to being a So, a little birdie told me that you will be leaving the company. I know we're not the closest of friends, but uh, I'm happy for you. Wait, did you just say Sarah's leaving? When, when did she say this? How long do we have? Oh, you are not leaving. Are you serious right now? Oh, I'm going to be stuck with Bill. Hell yeah, bestie, pop off. How much more are they paying you? Curious, uh, do you mind sharing where you're headed? Okay, um, who's going to take over our projects? What are the upcoming deadlines she was working on? We know what the vibe is like over there at that company. So, a little birdie told me that you will be leaving the company. I know we're not the closest of friends, but, uh... I'm happy for you. Wait, did you just say Sarah's leaving? When when did she say this? How long do we have? Oh, you are not leaving. Are you serious right now? Oh, I'm going to be stuck with Bill. Hell yeah, bestie, pop off. How much more are they paying you? Curious, uh, do you mind sharing where you're head? The biggest shitty star of all time. It's going to be right here. Live meteor shower reaction. Seconds. You guys ready for it? Hard one. Ooh. Oh my gosh, that was a good one. On the left there. Hopefully you guys saw that one. Make a wish. Make a wish. June 25, 10 p.m. Are the tail supposed to have color? Ooh! Oh! A double one! Dude, that was awesome. Make it rain! I had about 22 minutes. This is part two. We streamed earlier. Um, I had to take a little break to recharge, but uh, we caught about... Whoa! <laughs> Yo, that one was huge! Oh my gosh, please tell me you guys saw that. That one was so good. On the left there, that one was massive. Chucks, I know you saw that, bro. Oh man, that was good. Oh my god, another Geminids. one! To the right! Geminids! Uh, opposite. Oh, ah! <laughs> the sky is on fire again, let's go! The biggest shooting star of all time. On my screen, you will not believe it. Democrats are concerned for most of the world. Thank you, Gabby Miles, for the pucker.
In the morning when I leave my bed, I'm moisturized with the tears and then Stone out tea with a crucifix, I'm an ugly and nasty comment. In the evening when I'm on the rag, just rip out the couple of American flags, take a nice hot bath in the blood of a rich, I'm an ugly and nasty comment. I try to think, but it hurts my brain, so I have an abortion and a fine champagne. I'm a Jezebel, I'm a wicked witch, I'm an ugly and nasty comment. Weekends when I want some fun, castrate a man, take away his guns, drive a classic car into a ditch. I'm I know I am, but what are you? Some fascist bootleg Nazi tool, a whiny boy with a tiny dick, or a dumb fuck redneck backward dick. Did I get it right? Did I tag you yet? Maybe we don't know who we ain't met. Maybe nobody wins, but the already rich, if you're a dumb redneck and I'm a commie. In the morning when I leave my bed, I moisturize with the tears and then stir my tea with a crucifix. I'm an ugly and nasty comment. In the evening when I'm on the rag, just rip out a couple of American flags. Take a Car C. Blanton music. It's not bad from the blood of a rich. I'm an ugly and nasty comment. I try to think, but it hurts my brain, so I have an abortion and a fine champagne. I'm a Jezebel, I'm a wicked witch. I'm an ugly and nasty. Well, I know I am, but what are you? Some fascist bootleg Nazi tool, a whiny boy with a tiny dick, or a dumb fuck redneck backward dick. Did I get it right? Did I tag you yet? Maybe we don't know who we ain't met. Redneck and I'm a In the morning, I think I found the distraction, y'all. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I posted a video about the submersible. And down below, I was just like, what is the distraction? Because if none of y'all realize, we haven't been just distracted by anything lately. <laughs> My sister found that for me. This is the, this is the distraction, y'all. <laughs> 700 migrants sinking out the tragedy that killed five people got way more coverage than a boat with 700 migrants sinking off the coast of Greece. 82 passengers are confirmed gone, and hundreds are still missing, with over a hundred children being a part of the missing. Uh. And this happened two days before the submersible two days before those people paid five to eight thousand dollars to get on that boat trying to go to europe for a better world now i see it those five people on this submersible are way more important than the 700 that was on their way to europe or greece they trying to go 12,000 feet to the bottom of the ocean to find five people when all they probably had to do was just get some boats to help some people that's probably five feet underwater. And the bodies that they are finding in the ocean 
They put them in ice trunks. So they preserve an unalive bodies for something. Or nothing. Or nothing. Nothing at all. So I just wanted y'all to know the reason why they were really pushing that submersible situation. I think I found a distraction, y'all. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I posted a video about the submersible. And down below, I was just like, what is the distraction? Because if none of y'all realize, we haven't been... Walk with me for a second. Realize that your story, just as it is, could be someone else's survival guide. The things that you've learned in your life could be exactly what someone needs to hear in order to take their life to the next level. Take it from me. My name is Jess Ekstrom. I'm a public speaker. I speak over 50 times a year, and now I'm helping women do the exact same thing. In my opinion, speaking is the best way to storytell, and you can make an impact and an income at the same time. So head to the link below, register for my free training where I give you nine secrets to tell and tell your story as a paid keynote speaker. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I caught that one. I saw it with my eyes, but I don't know if I was holding my phone. Did you guys see that one or no? Oh, I got it? Oh, hell yeah, let's go. That's awesome. Alexa, does McDonald's use prison labor? From anarchomedia.com, McDonald's uses prison labor to produce frozen foods and processed beef for patties. Alexa, does Microsoft use prison labor? From Bartleby.com, prison labor is used in many of the top companies in the U.S., including IBM, Motorola, Compaq, Texas Instruments, Honeywell, Microsoft, and Boeing, Nordstrom, and Revlon. Alexa, how does the prison industrial complex influence lawmakers? From Bartleby.com, through its reach and impact, the prison industrial complex helps secure the authority of people who get their power through racial, economic, and other structural privileges by defending current power distributions. Alexa, is there a labor market incentive for mass incarceration? From Vox.com, because prison labor is so cheap, federal and state governments can sell prison made goods and services to private companies at rock bottom prices creating a labor market incentive for mass incarceration. Alexa, has the use of prison labor increased? From UMass.edu, the practice of using the labor of inmates in state and federal prisons to produce commodities has expanded rapidly in recent years, paralleling the growth of the number of people incarcerated. Alexa, how much is the average hourly pay for a prison laborer in the United States? From Vox.com, on average, prison laborers are paid 93 cents an hour, according to the Prison Policy Initiative. Alexa, does McDonald's use prison labor? From
fucking abolish the for-profit Period. Come a few ways to stay smart your entire life. Talk with people. The scapegoat, the identified patient, is one of the most insidious phenomenon in all of mental health. I spent many years as a clinical director of an adolescent drug and alcohol inpatient rehabilitation center. And one of the most startling things that I recognized over the years is, is that parents would frequently dump their children expecting a mental health facility to fix them. And what became apparent very quickly and was demonstrated to be true over and over again is, is that the adolescents displaying the self-destructive behavior were a product of what was going on inside the home. And they were the ones just acting out. Nine times out of ten, the person who is experiencing disruptive behavior is the healthy one. We have a society that reinforces this notion of conformity as mental health. And if you look at standard cognitive behavioral treatment modalities, the primary result is getting a sufferer to return to productivity. Productivity for whom? Because it seems to be the case that the lifestyle we have cultivated is responsible for the tremendous amount of psychological damage Michael so Salonius. many young people are experiencing. So instead of blaming the kids who are acting out, we need to look at the dysfunctional toxic systems we adults have created. The scapegoat, the identified patient, is one of the most insidious phenomenon in all of mental health. Right on, man. I spent many years as a clinical director of an adolescent drug and alcohol inpatient rehabilitation center. And one of the most startling things that I recognized over the years is, is that parents would frequently dump their children. So five people were lost in that submerged. The scapegoat, the identified patient is... many years as a clinical director of an adolescent drug and alcohol in this is that parents would frequently dump their children expecting a mental health facility to fix them and what became apparent very quickly and was demonstrated to be so five people were lost in that submersible looking for the Titanic. It's a tragedy, but I have two things to say that maybe you haven't thought about. First, who paid for the rescue operation? 
It was massive and several countries were involved. Apparently only one of the five passengers was American, but there were a lot of American assets deployed by the Coast Guard and by the Navy, I believe. Now, in the next hour, if you or I have a medical emergency, a heart attack, or we fall, or something bad happens to us, we call 911. Do you know that in America, you can be billed sometimes thousands of dollars for the ambulance? That's one ambulance with maybe two people on board. If one ambulance with two people on board costs two or three or five thousand dollars, what does a whole armada from the Coast Guard and Navy cost in terms of time, effort, fuel, manpower? I don't know the answer, nor do you, but I know this for sure. The taxpayers, you and I, we pay for it. Always remember that many millionaires, multimillionaires, and billionaires pay a lower tax rate than you pay. That's an established fact. So they get to have their joy rides, or in this case, sadly, a death ride, on our expense. You're paying for their mistakes. I hope that makes you angry. It makes me angry. Second, what do you think about those hundreds of refugees who died off the coast of Greece? I'm sorry, what? What? You, you don't know about them? It was somewhere between four to seven hundred or more refugees, men, women, children, who drowned, drowned, just recently, just in the last few days. You mean you didn't see the wall-to-wall -wall coverage? Oh, right, because there wasn't wall-to-wall -wall coverage. The little submersible, that had wall-to-wall -wall coverage. Hundreds of refugees dying, drowning in the Mediterranean, almost no coverage at all. So between taxes there's wall-to-wall coverage from something that really is, in the big scheme of things, not that important, things are kind of screwy, don't you think? So five people were lost. Now this man was beyond woke. The reason education sucks is the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient 
workers, people who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork, and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your Social Security money so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this place. It's a big club. You ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged, and nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. Now this man was yeah. beyond woke. The reason education All right, watch this video and I'll Discovery be right back. Theory. I'm going to tell you something very important after this. I don't think it was evil. Seventh file. Messenger. someone with their empathy intact could really imagine no other way for someone to be able to do that unless it was evil. But here's what I'm going to propose. Alcohol. Check this out. You see, alcohol is one of the only things when ingested by a pregnant woman actually alters the DNA of the unborn fetus. And it's only relatively recently that they found that out. See, they had fetal alcohol syndrome up until 1978, where they started coming out with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder when they realized it was a whole spectrum of effects. They came out with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder with a wide range of effects, and some of them so mild that they just call fetal alcohol effect. And on the milder end of the spectrum, as you can see here, give it a quick pause, the brain is... Growth deficiency... Unique cluster of minor facial anomalies, small eyes, smooth filtrum, thin upper lip, severe abnormally structural, neurological, and or functional abnormalities, prenatal alcohol exposure. Only moderately affected, okay, not severely affected, and the results is a diagnosis called neurobehavioral disorder associated with prenatal alcohol exposure. And it presents with symptoms associated with impairments of neurocognition, self-regulation, and adaptive functioning. 
Essentially what that would look like is a lack of empathy on the most least affected end. And a little bit more severe would be lack of empathy combined with lack of common sense. Okay, the inability to regulate oneself and to imagine consequences. In colonizer culture, they also didn't know about sanitation and purification of water. So they really didn't drink water. They drank a lot of beer and a lot of alcoholic beverages daily. Their water made them sick. Could a very large portion of colonizer society have been affected with fetal alcohol effect and have a lack of empathy and common sense? Should I make a part two? Yeah, it has the same exact meaning. That's what I'm trying to explain. Alexa, what is fifth generation warfare? Fifth generation warfare is warfare that is conducted primarily through non-kinetic military action, such as social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, along with emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and fully autonomous systems. Fifth generation warfare has been described by Daniel Abbott as a war of information and perception. Hmm. Alexa, what is behavioral non-kinetic operations? From publicintelligence.net, the emphasis of military operations is shifting more and more towards non-kinetic activities, such as psychological operations and information operations, which are geared towards influencing attitudes and behaviors of specific target audiences. Alexa, what is a logical non-kinetic operation? From globalvoyagespace.com. Instead of destruction or physical degradation of an adversary via military means, non-kineticism focuses on exploiting the already present fault lines to critically affect the nation without any physical involvement. Alexa, how does fifth-generation warfare spread disinformation? From Bioth.com, it is believed that the most powerful and effective tool of the fifth-generation war is propaganda being run on social media. Alexa, what is fifth gen- This is a cell. The question though is, what are these little guys right here? Okay, those are the reason why we have good energy. All right, you cluing in now? Yeah, they're mitochondria, but the better question is this. What do they have to do with feeling good or not feeling good? This new science in this study gives you the answer. Cellular danger response biology, the new science that connects environmental health with mitochondria and a rising tide of chronic illness. Yep, most unexplainable symptoms and illness are related to this right here. Listen, although the CDR, cellular danger response, is a cellular response, it has the power to change human thought, behavior, childhood development, physical fitness, resilience, fertility, and the susceptibility of an entire population to disease. If that resonates, I want you to watch the training below. If you see people making jokes, this is a cell. The question though is, what are these little guys right here? Okay, if you see people making jokes about the submarine and it's making you a little upset, I want you to know that you should be upset. You should be upset, but I, I don't want you to stop there. I don't want you to stop at being upset that there are some folks 
I want to read you the original Lord's Prayer from the Bible, which is insane to read because this is the direct Aramaic translation that they didn't tell us. And it's beautiful. A cosmic birther of all radiance and vibration. Soften the ground of our bodies and carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity so that we may be empowered to bear the fruit of your mission. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with our desires. Endow us with the wisdom to produce and share what each being needs to grow and flourish. Untie the tangled threads of destiny that bind us as we release others from the entanglement of past mistakes. Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but illuminate the opportunities of our present moment. For you are the ground, the truthful mission, the birth, the power, and fulfillment, as all is gathered and made whole again. And so it is. That is not the same prayer. You can find that prayer at the link in my bio. I do this every morning and it like fills me up with light. That's not the same religion. Listen to those words and what feeling they're asking you to embody. It's pure power. I want to read you the original Lord's Prayer from the Bible which is insane to read because this is the direct Aramaic translation that they didn't tell us. Intracellular detoxification of the bronchotubes and of the entire respiratory system, of your respiratory anatomy, right? Then you also want to go on a high raw electrical diet that is going to be anti-inflammatory and not bring inflammation to the respiratory system. You're going to want to go on a, um, a lot of fasting while taking those herbs, you know, so doing like two days or one day or a few days of no food at all, all herbal teas in, in spring water, preferably in glass, preferably some nice quality glass bottled spring water because um, you don't want any microplastics building up in your respiratory system. But if you are fasting on herbs and roots and leaves and flowers, etc., that will specifically specialize in a deep detoxification of the respiratory system, that your bronchial tubes over a, a you know about a three to to twenty week span, depending on how severe it is, you know, like everyone's different. Everyone's gonna be on more severe levels, and everyone's gonna need to detoxify on on deeper levels, you know. So it, I really can't tell you that part, but what I can for sure tell you is that it is. 100% more than possible to do a deep intracellular cleanse of the respiratory system and get those bronchial tubes flowing with air and oxygen because you have released the mucus and the mucoid plaque from the tubes. So the uh, tubes can start to breathe uh, again. It's as simple as that. Why do I gotta be the one to get on here and say this? I'll remind you, pagans aren't received well attempting to convey this. Believe it or not, paradise is not a concept unique to you. The rest of us would really like the world to suck less too, but it seems like in the churches, under the steeple, nobody cares about the rest of us people unless we're going to the doctor or bathroom. Our harvests are failing, our supply chain is breaking, we're facing a tragedy still in the making. We have just enough time left to fill churchyards with food, and that's all that I'm here today asking of you. You could regrow 
eaten if you really wanted to. The people are sick and tired and hurt while sheep sit in church pews praying for worse, begging Jesus to come back with his sword and cleanse what they don't like from this too broken world, but who broke it? Who could mend it? If God's love is in you, do you get it yet? I have nipped and silver tongue. By the word it was begun. I have nipped is mustard seed. It's not so scary once you know what it means. And Jesus said that was all you would need in measure of faith to do anything, even move mountains. We already know how to move mountains. There's no need to show us. The restructuring we really need won't be found in moving hard rocks, but in moving hard hearts and stiff necks. Those that say let them suffer, they get what they get. Wolves dressed like sheep would have you see yourself above us. But last I checked, Jesus came down here specifically to love us. He didn't demand we all be of one religion first. He didn't say we all had to bend the knee first. He didn't wait for all of us to go and tithe first. He didn't go and search for the signs of the ends of times first. So why do you? What's your excuse? What lies have your demons been telling you? Why do you doubt what showing this world God's love would do? I dare you to go to his house and look up at his face, shadowed by thorns originally placed to show this whole world his utter disgrace. Go stand for your Savior and confess that your faith is not strong enough to show his mercy and grace to those living lives you judge with distaste. Go meet the eyes of a martyr and tell him more time wouldn't matter. Go tell him it's too much of a burden to care for this world he should burn it. Go tell him how weirdness not worth it. Go tell him how you and yours earned it. Go tell him how anyone not already saved should be raised from this earth. Toss us aside. Go justify how if we don't meet your measure of morality, you won't even try. As you stand there, I hope you realize you'd be lying to fail. And then turn around and tell them all who sent you there. Tell them how a witch from the internet said you need to have faith. You need to walk through this world like you've met God face to face. And to show us that love, you must set aside your distaste and plant paradise here before it's too late. This is not a miracle I'm asking of you. It's just no one else I can call on has the resources you do? You say the Lord lives in you. So yeah, we're looking at you. If not now, then when? If not you, then who? So before you toss this poem aside, as I'm sure you're inclined to, please, first take a breath and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? What? I learned something fucking crazy this weekend. It turns out, there's a thing called regenerative agriculture. It's like kind of the, the, the better alternative to what I would call chemical agriculture, although most people would call that traditional agriculture. So the way most food is grown right now, farmers buy... Hey there, welcome and back, yeah. What's going on? Um, mine's touch. What's an oven? Thank you for the um, donkey shed for for uh, k Lifelong Republican turns against party as Trump gets bad news on democracy. Eh? 
issued by Juneteenth. Everybody is beautiful here now. Disclosure is imminent. Willie Carson. Yay. Streamed two weeks ago. Live interview. Hello, this is Billy Carson, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. Welcome to the super exclusive interview. Disclosure is imminent. I'm here with Dr. Stephen Greer, the true world leader actually in disclosure. And it's going to be an amazing event this weekend, which we're going to talk about here. And I want to welcome you back, Dr. Stephen Greer. Thank you. Good to see you. Thank you yes. for your help. Thank you. The last time I saw you was probably about two years ago. And we had a, a series of interviews where you went deep into a lot of topics dealing with disclosure and ET and technology and potential advanced technologies from outer space and so forth. Right. Uh, a lot has happened since then. Right. I mean, you were really, you've always been ahead of your time, obviously. But some of the stuff you told me just a couple of years ago have now come to fruition, which is really, really amazing. I want to first start by introducing some of the people on my networks may not have seen you before. Um, they are, if they have it, they're crazy, but now that they're finally learning who you are for the first time, just tell them a little bit about your background and how you got started in disclosure. Well, you know, I'm an emergency doctor. I work uh, in emergency medicine and, and trauma, but, uh, you know, I had had experience with one of these objects when I was younger, always had a lifelong interest. Uh, my first sighting, I was a, a eight baby in North Carolina back in, before you were born in 1963, <laughs> but... Um, it, it was quite remarkable, daytime, yeah. close up, clearly an extraterrestrial vehicle, mm. uh, seamless. Uh, and so I had an interest my entire life. Mm. And uh, eventually, in, in 1990, I started the CE5 Contact Initiative, which you, there's an app called CE5 Contact you can get mm -hmm. that is an outreach program from humans to these civilizations to create a peaceful dialogue and liaison mm. between humans yeah. and these civilizations because... Frankly, uh, in studying this up to that point, I realized that the United States and other governments had dropped the ball. They had secret, and nobody was paying attention to the fact that the UFOs themselves are just like a car you, that brought you here. Who's inside the car? You know, Billy is. Or who's, so who's inside these spacecraft? Why are they here? Uh, and so that was the genesis of it. Now... In 1992, on a beach in Florida near Pensacola, we had a major um, event, CE5 contact event. There were four ET craft in the sky that were seen by about 60 people on a training expedition we were doing, including a couple of Air Force colonels and pilots. And that made it onto the front page of the Pensacola paper, uh, the photo. That then led to uh, people in the intelligence community contacting me, uh, some friendly people and some hostile that sort of opened that whole vein uh, to it. And then a year later, when uh, President Clinton became uh, sworn in in 93, uh, I was asked by uh, the director of a think tank here near the Pentagon to set up a briefing, attend a briefing for the director of the CIA, uh, then at that time, R. James Woolsey for the president, under cover of a dinner party with me and my wife and the host and his wife and, and the CIA director and his wife. 
Uh, and it was at that time I learned, uh, this is my life turned upside down 30 years ago because I realized that the president and the director of the CIA and then others I subsequently met with were being blocked from information on this subject and that the organization running these covert programs were, were doing so without oversight uh, from the Congress or the president and were therefore illegal and unconstitutional. So that really was the genesis of the disclosure project. In those days, we called it Project Starlight. If you look at the Clinton Library, it was yeah. sued by AP and the Associated Press, and they released these documents. Mm -hmm. And so it was initially a private briefing process that I did in my spare time as an emergency doctor, mm -hmm. meeting with various members of Congress, people at the Pentagon, elsewhere, mm -hmm. to get this information to them and to encourage disclosure of it by the U.S. government. So, that, so the genesis of this goes all the way back to the early 1990s, 30 right. years ago. Yeah, that's incredible. And I know when I talked to you on the phone just maybe a few weeks ago, building up to this live, uh, you know, uh, interview, right. you had mentioned that you had to start taking some of these government officials and some of these witnesses through the skiff. Can you talk about that? Are you able to talk about that on, on the live here? I can. I have to be careful. Yeah. Um, so about 16 months ago, a very senior person in the intelligence community here mm -hmm. um, who works literally with the black budget and oversees the three-letter agencies, yeah. CIA, NSA, NRO, reached out to me because a law previously had been passed, as you know, mm -hmm. by the Congress to get a report done on UFOs and UAPs, whatever the name of the day is. Right. Uh, and to, to basically find out what was going on with this. So once the Pentagon confirmed the Tic Tac footage and this UFO footage, very quickly there were people in the Congress, like Senator Gillibrand and others, who uh, uh, put through a law requiring the Director of National Intelligence as well as the Pentagon to report on this. Uh, so those folks had been going I'll be blunt, they had been gaslit, the mm -hmm. people doing the investigations who mm -hmm. were, of course, not members of Congress, these are senior people in the, in the intelligence community and staff, and they were basically being given new information, which is predictable. This is what we ran into in the 90s. So they contacted me and asked me to help uh, provide uh, what's called actionable intelligence details of uh, where these facilities are, where these projects are centered, uh, who's involved, uh, what are the project code names and numbers, which I have, uh, and a number of these sort of issues. So, you know, we're a non-governmental entity. I have no legal standing, to be frank, uh, but, you know, we have collected all this over 30 years. It's an enormous uh, archive of, of intelligence information. It's the largest in the world by far. And so we had meetings uh, where I would provide this, and then they subsequently had field people out in the field go and confirm it. So they were able to confirm what we were saying, that there were both extraterrestrial and man-made UFOs. The bigger secret are the man-made secret technologies that would get us off the environment uh, crisis and, and, and fix the environment and poverty, uh, but that they were still being blocked to access into these facilities. Now, these are people with top secret, special compartmented uh, in, in information clearances at the highest level. 
And, you know, again, I said yes, because the Oregon Division doing this does not respect the authority of the legal constitutional government of the United States. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact, and it's dangerous. So once, you know, this is now, I realized that in 93. Now there are senior members in the U.S. government, in the Congress and White House, realizing this is the case. Uh, and so the big question becomes, what are you going to do about it? So I said, here's what I think you should do. And they sent field people out, and they were able to confirm what we had been saying uh, through the information. So we were giving them the, for example, we're going to release, and you're going to all see this, this weekend at, at our uh, two-day conference, but also at the National Press Club on June 12th to 4 p.m. The world can see that for free. Um, the facilities list. And so I, I provided this to these investigators in the government. There are 145 top secret facilities uh, or bases where these operations have gone, as well as corporate locations. So which corporations are involved, where is the reverse engineering taking place, et cetera. So all of that was uh, started 16 months ago. Mm -hmm. Now, what has helped more recently is that the Congress and the president put through a bill two days before Christmas in 2022, uh, the National uh, Defense Authorization Act, it had a provision for top secret people, whistleblowers, or people who had non-disclosure agreements in the military or even corporate world to go through a process where they would go to uh, this office, AARO, Arrow, and the SCIF uh, there near the Pentagon and provide their information. So that process was, the law was passed late December 2022. Yep. Uh, the first folks started going in in, in January. Mm -hmm. And so I've been helping coordinate that um, and also very clearly mm -hmm. encouraging whistleblowers to come forward. Now, we have to make a distinction here. There are really three categories of these whistleblowers. Right. Uh, people who will not come forward because they're hostile mm -hmm. to, to having this come out because they're part of the I hate to say, illegal project. Gotcha. Then there are the ones who are cooperating, giving us information, mm -hmm. but they don't want to come forward yet because the laws need to be tightened up for their personal protection and security because many have gotten death threats. Right. Their uh, security around their pensions mm -hmm. or their financial assets. Mm -hmm. And uh, also where it's very clear that if, if they were found to have done something illegal, mm -hmm. that they would there'd be a period of amnesty. Gotcha. So we're recommending a further bill be passed mm -hmm. to provide these sort of protections yeah. for these whistleblowers. And then there's another category, mm -hmm. and those are the people who are willing to go through the process now yeah. and go to the skiff and provide information. Right. Now, out of a few of those, mm -hmm. there are a handful that are willing to come out publicly. Gotcha. Okay, at this press conference. Right. So you're dealing a distillation. So it's yeah. you, now they'll give you a number. Yeah. We now have 752 whistleblowers and witnesses. Uh, that we have either previously interviewed or identified or have contacts to. And some are, are preeminent. Right. Uh, for example, there's a, a senior official in a Fortune 100 company mm -hmm. that would like to share what he knows, but recently, after reaching out, he has had explicit threats, death threats to him, mm -hmm. himself, and his family. So this is why we're encouraging the Congress and the President to uh, step up the pace of, of the protective law, 
us gotcha. for these people's security and safety. Right. That's phenomenal. And just for the viewers, the skip, when we say the skip, can you break okay. it down for them? So yeah. We know what it is, but yeah. yeah well, SCIF is a secure compartmented information facility. So they're all around the city and other yeah. parts of the United States. And they're basically places where when you go in, you know, you can put your phones and all electronics aside. Mm -hmm. It's a sealed facility. So not, no electromagnetic signals can go in or out. Right. Um, and it's a place where top secret information can be exchanged and shared in a secure fashion. Exactly. That's exactly. basically what a skip yeah. is. Kind of like yeah, a neutral ground. Yes, yeah, not, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not, <laughs> a skip that's a boat. It's a boat yeah. Something else. Right. This is really top secret. This is where you can really share information and knowing that nobody can hack into it. Nobody right. can record it. They can't use those sophisticated uh, cameras with those sophisticated mics outside the building to hear what's inside. Everything bounces off. It's uh, right. it's pretty secure, um, which is which is very good. It's not secure from the They have some really high tech. They have what are called scalar or longitudinal electromagnetic systems yeah. that can penetrate anywhere. Right. And this is one of the, the, the problems we've had is getting the people in the conventional government, mm -hmm. it's called the legal government, to understand the, the, these other operations have technologies. Many of them reverse engineered from extraterrestrial vehicles. We'll mm -hmm. get into this. That are thousands of years past what right. the president or the chairman of XYZ committee in the Congress yeah. would know about, and this is a this is what I call the technology gap. It's a disconnect, right? Um, and it's dangerous because uh, if you don't know what your adversary has the capability to do, mm. then you're not going to strategically make the right decisions. Right. So what I've been trying to get them to understand is that. Their current SecOps security operation protocols, and these SecOps are simply inadequate, and therefore they they need to understand that whatever it is they're doing is going to be transparently known and seen mm -hmm. uh, by uh, the folks who uh, they consider uh, not cooperative. Let's call it that way, right. and not cooperative to the point of uh, uh, I would use the word, and and these folks have agreed with me when I've used it are involved in a treasonous operation. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I agree. I have, I've heard you say that before, as a matter of fact. And so you'll be talking about this scalar technology this weekend at the yes. conference, right? Yes, we have a PhD physicist um, from, uh, had been at, I believe, Los Alamos, and uh, he is a, a probably world expert on uh, mm -hmm. scalar. Of course, Nikola Tesla talked about scalar waves yes. back 100 years ago, um, but he'll be making a brief presentation, and then one of our witnesses, um, who was with Raytheon at a, a covert facility at South Pole. Hmm. Uh, he's going to talk about the sort of a application of that. Hmm. It's called a neutrino light sensors and array that's a couple miles underneath the ice yeah. at the South Pole, uh, where he worked at that station and what that capability, hmm. uh, the capability of that array is. Right. It's both, I will tell you, it's both tracking and sensing and an active weapon system, hmm. which is quite advanced electromagnetic weapon um, right. and, and rather dangerous. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Neutrinos. Mm -hmm. Neutrino light. Neutrino the light. Detector and array. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, by the way, back in the 19, mid to early 1990s, mm -hmm. I met a, uh, a man who was CEO of an electro electronics company who in uh, the 70s mm -hmm. had invented uh, a neutrino light detector that got a national security order placed on it. And the National Reconnaissance Office seized it 
under national security order, and they put them on the satellites that are up there so that they can track and monitor these extraterrestrial vehicles mm -hmm. as they come out of what's called a trans-dimensional space-time right. in 3D. Mm -hmm. uh, and when they do that, there's a burst of neutrino light, mm -hmm. and that allows them to pick up on them. Yeah. And so those are, are then uh, connected to weapon systems. Mm. And you, you hear about all these crash retrievals. Yeah. Well, now in our archive, we have 121 incidences mm. that we've documented, yeah. many with whistleblowers still living, of these objects being tracked, mm. hit, and down by right. our extraterrestrial. So, uh, which is another whole discussion. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, the danger. Yeah of having an unsupervised and unauthorized operation with those kind of technologies mm -hmm. that are really creating an existential threat to all life on Earth. I will say it very bluntly. It's yeah. a very dangerous, nonsensical yeah. thing happening. Right. Um, I've known about this since the early 90s. It's one of the chief reasons mm -hmm. uh, back in, uh, oh gosh, when, when the uh, uh, head of the Defense Intelligence Agency whom I briefed, mm. uh, General Patrick Hughes, he's a three-star, and he had been denied access to this information. Now, this wow. is the head of, for those who don't know, the Defense Intelligence Agency would be like the CIA for civilian right. for the entire military, mm -hmm. and this guy is the top guy. Yeah. And I did a, a briefing in his conference room at the Pentagon, mm -hmm. and he flat out told me he was denied access, and uh, he thought that there actions being taken that were dangerous. I said, oh, you better believe it. Yeah. And I discussed this with him, the mm -hmm. fact that we were tracking and targeting these objects yeah. um, who are, frankly, completely not hostile. But I will tell you, the fact that they're not hostile towards humans and, and uh, at Earth does not mean that they are happy with right. what this clandestine group is doing. Right. Because we're actually, if people want to know where the threat is, mm -hmm. go look in the mirror. Yeah. Humans have become an existential threat to ourselves uh, with what we're doing to this planet, mm -hmm. environmentally and otherwise, but also now potentially to other planets. Yeah. So I think that this is a very complex problem. And one of the one of the big problems with the news media, everything has to be boiled down into a, a, a 30 to 90 second soundbite, yeah. and the issue is so complex. Uh, and I, by the way, it's another problem with, with members of the Congress and White House, yeah. is that they're so busy, and yet the issue has to get unpacked. One of the things we're trying to do, we haven't done it yet, is that we're, we're going to unveil what we're calling the Disclosure Project Intelligence Archive, which is many terabytes of data. Wow. But what needs to happen, anybody out there, we need someone who's a very good uh, data file manager, who can then organize these hard drives and information mm. and that we can then, what we eventually would like to do is have yeah. a website that would be the clearinghouse for all legitimate information on the subject. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet, of course. I, I can't even imagine what that might cost. And mm. We'd have to fund, raise the funds. But we, there are a lot of technical obstacles to doing mm -hmm. it just because it's a massive. We may eventually have some, we're in the neighborhood of 10 to 20 terabytes. Wow, that's a lot of data. Which is a huge amount for a website. Yeah. And also a searchable website where it's all indexed and searchable. Right. So this is a technical problem. I'm a doctor and right. not a <laughs> tech guy, but we need some really good tech people to yeah. help us with that. You know? I may have some people on my team that can help with that. Uh, with the projects that I've done with um, searching for space anomalies, uh -huh. 
we've downloaded over 1 million images from the NASA and European Space Agency Caltech servers and cataloged them and categorized about 50 to 60,000 anomalies that are searchable, linkable, downloadable, okay. and everything else. And we did over the course of seven years, right? but we do have the capability of doing something like that. Yeah, we want to stand this up in the next year. Yeah. Um, and we're still collecting data. I will tell you, there's on average two to four new top secret whistleblowers coming into our system every month. Wow. We're adding uh, a similar number of top secret facilities. Let me give people an idea so that it's not vague. Yeah. There's there's a man who um, is going to be speaking uh, here. He was an army guy at Fort Bragg. He was taken into an underground facility where there was a kind of a sonic electromagnetic anti-gravity operation with mm. this massive, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds heavy, uh, looked like a granite uh, cubic rectangular object floating. Wow. Um, and he knew the name of the area, where it is. So see, every time one of these whistleblowers comes forward, who've actually been in the system, whether it was an accidental event in his case, yeah. or worked in it, we grab that information and mm. put it on our facilities list. Gotcha. So when you see this facilities list that we're going to be releasing, mm -hmm. keep in mind that every dot on that map mm -hmm. and everyone in the list is backed up from witness testimony yeah. and uh, files. Right. But of course, those we can't release without the whistleblower's permission. Gotcha. So what, one, of the, one of the things that's a problem for me personally mm -hmm. is that having debriefed all these hundreds of top secret witnesses, but when they're not willing to come forward publicly, like it's recently happened with, with one of them, yeah. what, what happens is that we're, the best I can do is provide the information, mm -hmm. but what we really need is a process, an open hearing, and this I've had a conversation with a member of Congress in the House, is to have an open, this is new news, uh, have an open hearing process, not in a skip, where these witnesses can be subpoenaed and be sworn in under oath and come forward yeah. uh, and the whole public will know about it. Because I think the top secret process uh, is dangerous in the sense that if it's top secret going to a Pentagon office like Arrow, yeah. how much of that will ever get out to the American public? How much of it will actually get to the members of Congress? Mm. Because I know that there's a letter we have from the uh, chair and co-chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee recently, written mm -hmm. in April, mm -hmm. where they were very unhappy with the progress and the reporting back out of Arrow to them. I have this letter, mm -hmm. and uh, we can show it to you. My mm -hmm. assistant can get it to you. And I think this is a big problem because it gets back into is the, the fox guarding the hen house right. sort of problem, right? And some of the men that we have taken uh, and that I know have gone into the skiff for Arrow have been extremely unhappy in A, how they were treated, and B, the tendency to cut them off and not let them tell the whole information. So one of our concerns here, and I have an inside track on that very much in the system, yeah. is that there's a big concern that the leadership of that office is whether or not they're complying with the law uh, to let these people bring all their evidence and testimony, but also then properly report it up the chain of command uh, to the Congress, which is the entity that is funded and authorized the investigation. 
So this is something, uh, again, in, a, in a, a democratic republic like the United States or any democracy, there has to be proper oversight of these sort of operations. Uh, and I think we have to be very, very vigilant that this doesn't end up being like prior government investigations, which were basically dog and pony shows that furthered the cover up. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm actually quite concerned about that uh, from the things I am hearing, not from the rumor mill, yeah. but or the you know UFO chat rooms, but from these top secret guys going in, what they tell me afterwards. Mm. So we are concerned about that, and I think we have to be vigilant. Yeah. What government agencies could have the power to cover up these UFO and UAP crash retrievals and so forth without any oversight from the front government? All of them. Yeah. So let me explain how a little bit of history here. Yeah. Uh, when you start dealing with top secret operations, they're very highly compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's special access projects. And as you know from our documentary, Unacknowledged, mm -hmm. there are ones that are unacknowledged special access projects. Yeah. Now, within those, and those mean that if you're not in the project, you're not to tell anyone outside. Of it. Mm -hmm. Those have been, are, and not just on the UFO issue, on a number of issues. Yeah. Around Contra, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but now there's a branch of those that went rogue. Mm -hmm. And the rogue ones, um, don't have any legal oversight. So a lot of people confuse like the black budget of the United States, uh, which is very, very secret. That the legal black budget is legal, is known by the president, his guys, and the chief oversight committees and members of the Senate and House. Yeah. I'm talking about ones <clears throat> that have gone so rogue and black mm. that they're not overseen. Gotcha. But they're it's they're enfolded. It's like those Russian folding dogs, dogs you <laughs> yep. know, where you stack the dolls, yeah, yeah. I what they're called. But, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and, and, but they're, they're hidden within other SAPs, other, yep. other special access projects. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we uncovered this back in the 90s. And so that structure, let's say the architecture of the secrecy, unfortunately, allows for those operations to go completely unsupervised even by senior members of the Pentagon, for example, General Patrick Hughes, or you all know the memo leaked out from Dr. Davis about my briefing, the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Wilson. That, uh, that happened because even though he had this very high position, which, you know, he was the J-2, he was in charge of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Right. And when we gave him some information about this, he made some inquiries. He was not only denied access, he was threatened. And now, you know, people go, how is that possible? Yeah. Now, a lot of people back in the day when I first said this happened, uh, so this cannot be true. Later, this memo leaked out from Eric Davis. They went, oh, God, it was true. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, some of the things I say, people go, wow, that's really out there. Mm -hmm. But it's all based on fact. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's all true. And people will come to find that what we've been saying in the 90s and 2000s um, and now in the 2020s, it's when it all comes out, it, every bit of it will be true. Yeah. Uh, as outrageous, and I will admit, it is outrageous. Um, uh, but if we don't get a handle on this, we're really facing a catastrophe. Yeah. And I mean, we really are as a people, as a civilization. Not only because the technologies that would get us off of fossil fuels and, and save the biosphere are being withheld, 
but that there's this rogue element that has weaponized these technologies. Uh, and without supervision and knowledge, I can assure you that the people I know in the Congress and the White House have no knowledge of that operation. And Pentagon, General Hughes had no knowledge of that. Admiral Wilson had no knowledge of it. So when you have that happening, that, that group really is a threat to world security and national security. Right. So one of the things that I always want, I want to remind people, there's this wonderful quote from one of the very first directors of the CIA, who in 1947 was CIA director. Uh, and of course, that was the year Roswell happened. Roswell happened, yeah. In 1961, after Eisenhower made his speech of the where the military industrial complex, and it was a veiled reference to this problem, uh, this man, Admiral Roscoe Hellingheater, wrote to the New York Times and he said, quote, I'm paraphrasing actually, he said, the secrecy around UFOs is a threat to the national security, not the UFOs. <laughs> so when I go into these meetings, I said, I know what you're hearing from the echo chamber of ufology is that we're under some kind of alien invasion. In reality, the secrecy around the subject is a threat to the national security because this group that has run, uh, it's like a Frankenstein we created in the 40s and 50s mm -hmm. that's gotten off the table and then is walking amongst us. It's, it's a monstrous operation. Yeah. Right. And some of the guys that I know who recently have been out in the field trying to penetrate these programs have texted me on encrypted systems and said, wow, these people are thugs. Yeah. Using the word thugs. I said, absolutely they are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what you know we're, we've been dealing with now for 30 years. Uh, it's good to see there's some people coming forward talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, what has to happen, and this is why we're doing this National Press Club event here, yeah. is to frame the issue uh, up to date of what's happening now that these developments have occurred in the Congress mm -hmm. and call for these open hearings. Right. And uh, we, we, I think we're going to have a member of the uh, House of Representatives there with us uh, on Monday who will also make a call for that if his schedule, if his flight gets in on time, he's he wanting to come. Uh, and he's on a key oversight committee in the House of Representatives. So what, what I'm hoping is that yeah. Uh, what we're doing here uh, as a private entity, again, I have no official standing and don't want one. Yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, I would not accept a clearance and I don't need a clearance. Mm -hmm. uh, That's just going to hold you back. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you're in shackles, now, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Um, it was offered to me. You know, I told you the story yeah. when the head of Army Intelligence in, in 1992 mm -hmm. first threatened me and then offered me $2 billion to yeah. be part of the board. Right. Dealing with this, the so-called, you know, uh, majority joint intelligence committee, magic. Yeah. Uh, and I said, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and that was when, that was a lot of money, $2 billion. I mean, it'd be a lot now, but in 1992. That's a, that's a lot of money back then. Uh, and it was all black money. Yeah. Legally gotten. Right. I mean, are you going to believe the mechanisms for the funding, which we're also going to expose mm -hmm. this weekend? Nice. Yeah, probably illegal arms, drugs, you name it. The whole, oh, it's the all whole drug running. Yeah. Criminal <laughs> operations. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I tell people this is why uh, there's an attorney, Derek Garcia, mm. who um, is coming, has come forward. I, I've sort of been uh, mentoring him since he was uh, 20, 21, maybe, when he was at Wesleyan. He's now an attorney, public wow. interest attorney in Albuquerque. Wow. And he has graciously, uh, on his own time, 
uh, organized now 50 lawyers to represent our whistleblowers to defend them, but also to launch, this is a very big news, a civilian RICO lawsuit. RICO is the Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organization Act from 1970. It's usually used against organized crime by uh, federal and state uh, and law enforcement, but there's a provision for a civilian private organization to invoke it. Nice. And that's what we're planning to do, which means we're going to be issuing subpoenas if we can get it into the certified federal system mm -hmm. uh, against these corporations and individuals who have been involved in this yeah. and who have committed various crimes. Right. All right. And so we're announcing that this week and also, mm -hmm. and uh, Mr. Garcia will be at the event explaining what that is. Wow. Some of the attorneys who have surfaced to be doing this, and it's all pro bono, they're not charging. Mm -hmm. We don't have the money to pay 50 attorneys, yeah. um, even $50 million. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're all wonderful people who are devoted to disclosure right. and are putting their efforts in. And some of them are preeminent. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're still waiting to see which of them want to be publicly identified this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but some of them are absolutely preeminent uh, attorneys in the United States. Oh, that's amazing. And this conference is going to be a three-day event, basically. Well, the press club is going to be Sunday or Monday? The press club, National Press Club, is Monday from 2 until 4 okay. at the National Press Club right there uh, near where the JW Marriott is. Okay. Uh, and that's where the media, of course, gathers mm -hmm. for big press events. Yeah. It's where the 2001 event took place, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, with the, the first National Press Club event that kicked off the global disclosure movement. But this is sort of an update, um, and with new witnesses, uh, many of them uh, dealing with the human, uh, what have been called alien reproduction vehicles. Mm. Uh, we have a Raytheon guy from the South Pole. We have a guy who, uh, two Raytheon people, yeah. uh, showed him hovering at Fort Irwin, California. Yeah. Uh, these triangular objects that were anti-gravity, mm -hmm. uh, and he's going to be there. Wow. Uh, and we have a Marine, who was uh, his platoon responded in a humanitarian mission uh, in Indonesia after wow. the earthquake and tsunami in 2009. Yeah. And they were deployed to an area and dropped in by helicopter and came across a 300-foot diameter. Now that's a that's the biggest round of the football field. Yeah. Man-made mm -hmm. UFO. And it was all these uh, black ops guys offloading what appeared to be illegal drugs and weapons. Wow. Uh, and, and some trafficking scheme. Mm -hmm. And they were threatened with being executed. Mm -hmm. Now, we have the names of all six of the platoon members. Uh, one of them wrote and said he, you know, is in fear of his life. Yeah. I will tell you all six of them were told, if you speak of this, you will be executed. Mm. Now, this man who's coming forward, Michael Herrera, is incredibly brave. He was only 19 or 20 when this happened. Yeah. He's about 33 now. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a very brave person. Uh, very few people have been willing to step forward on that yeah. because it exposes two major things. The existence of a secret Air Force capability using these craft from yeah. Northrop Grumman and Lockheed mm -hmm. and Raytheon and others, yeah. but also this rogue, most dangerous part of the rogue operation that is globally breaking all kinds of laws and engaged in uh, violent crimes, mm -hmm. drug running, yeah. 
and clearly criminal activities. You know, this disclosure movement is really so important because like you just talked about, the amount of crimes that are involved for them to create these black budget projects and these secret projects, these unacknowledged projects, in order to keep it running and funded, they have to do so much dark stuff to keep it going, which is a complete threat to humanity and the planet. Well, not to mention the Constitution and the rule of law. Right. I mean, if we <laughs> don't have the rule of law, what are we living in the jungle? Right. Aren't we? Yeah. So, I mean, this becomes sort of a civilizational crisis, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Yeah. It way exceeds the risk of China, Russia, Ukraine, Iran, but it isn't on the radar fully yet by the members of Congress or other capitals and leaders or the United Nations or the White House. This is, uh, there's this uh, very, uh, the reason I've always been in a hurry to do this is that I know that if this stays on the course it's on, mm -hmm. where it's going to end up. And yeah. It's not going to be nice. Yeah. It's going to be a catastrophe. Exactly. You know, when you're looking at this, you know, all these black budget projects and what they're holding back technologically from the world, what other types of technologies or what types of benefits of the technology could be released to mankind that you feel are being held back? Well, you know, we just released a few days ago uh, a, a documentary film called The Lost Century and How to Reclaim It. Yep. The key thing, how to reclaim it. And the lost century is an expose of a hundred years, is what we call it the lost century, of since the time of Tesla, yeah. very advanced technologies that have been seized and sequestered, mm -hmm. inventors have been assassinated, mm -hmm. and the patent laws have been abused to seize them under national security uh, provisions. I have a copy of one that yeah. we show in the film. Mm -hmm. So everyone can right now go and see that film. It's on all platforms, iTunes, Apple, yeah. Google. Amazon, whatever. Right. Now, the reason that's so important, it outlines what we've lost in a hundred years, but also importantly, I'm one of these people, I don't like to just kvetch about a problem. Right. I think we need to so what's the solution? Exactly. All right. So that was the disclosure project is the solution to these illegal secrecy. Mm -hmm. uh, in this film, we talk about what the solution should be the pathway yeah. to develop. Mm -hmm or acquire, if anyone listening has one of these zero-point quantum energy devices, mm -hmm. contact us immediately. Yeah. We have people with funding in place to get it out now. Mm -hmm. If we nice. can prove it. Yeah. It's, it's ready. I mean, it's substantial funding. Mm -hmm. So, but it has to be released open source. Yes, that's the only way. Open source is open the only way. Open source is the only way, because if you go through patent or intellectual property secrets, <laughs> it's going to get seized. And yeah. most of these inventors, uh, Here's the problem. They're very, very bright with physics or electromagnetic engineering, but they don't understand the strategic landscape and the security landscape. Uh, and what I want to do is combine what our expertise on the strategic and security landscape uh, so we can get out safely yeah. with the people who have the, the, the genius mm -hmm. in engineering uh, and, and physics mm -hmm. to create preferably a solid state version. Yeah. Which, of course, Boyd Sweet had. If you look up in our movie, you'll see this whole expose yeah. about Boyd Sweet's device, mm -hmm. which was real. But I think that uh, when you look at that, what are the implications of the, all that being disclosed? Yeah. Just that. Mm -hmm. It would end poverty on the planet in 20 years. Right. I'm not talking. <laughs> poverty in the United States is not poverty. That's not real poverty. In India <laughs> and, and Africa and South America and parts of Asia and South yeah. America. 
So, you know, right now there are 3 billion people on the earth that have no means to even cook their food. They're cutting down the forest and then the desert shrubs to make charcoal. Yeah. So it's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think one of the big questions is if we can bring these technologies out, given the internet and other, and it's open source, yeah. then thousands of companies will spring up just like yeah. the internet was mm -hmm. open source. Thousands of tech companies sprung up yeah. and created hundreds of trillions of dollars in mm -hmm. industries, exactly. everything from Amazon to Alphabet to yeah. whatever. So when this happens, it'll be a tie that lifts the whole world up. Mm -hmm. Now, it will also end all pollution yeah. on Earth. I mean, literally all pollution, mm -hmm. air, water, mm -hmm. ground, yeah. because these technologies, because they're, quote, free energy, and there's a chairman of a major corporation in America who wants to come forward who has said point blank, yes, we have those free energy devices wow. to us. Now, you know, he's afraid to come forward mm -hmm. because these corporate thugs are more dangerous than the assassins out of the CIA, trust oh, yeah. me. So I think that this is this is something that if the people unite around this, that effort, mm -hmm. we should be able to create a, a civilization within 10 to 20 years. Yeah where there would be no poverty, no pollution, sustainability, uh, but wouldn't be just, you know, windmills and solar panels, right. which ain't going to get us there. No. It's too energy density, and it's so expensive. This would be something quite inexpensive, would fit on your table, mm -hmm. run your house, run your factory, run your car, yeah. and uh, would have zero energy costs and no pollution, mm -hmm. because it's pulling energy out of the fabric right. of space-time, what's called the quantum vacuum or zero-point energy, uh, which was proven, by the way, in the 50s mm -hmm. by the Professor Kessinger. Right. So this documentary, I encourage everyone to look at as yeah. soon as possible. It's called The Lost Century and How to Reclaim It. We actually have motion graphics to show what the world looks like in 20 years, 50 years, yeah. 100 years, 1,000 years. It was beautiful. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, The oh, Lost good. Century. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I've seen it. You gave me the link uh, oh, about two right. weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I watched it. Amazing documentary. Guys, make sure you go watch The Lost Century. You can watch it on Apple. You can watch it pretty much on anything. Okay. The Lost Century, Dr. Stephen Greer. It's an amazing documentary. The way that you did the graphics in there to show those projections, because it gives you, it gives a person like the ability to kind of see the future, what it could be. What what are we missing here? And, and that's what we could have had by, you know, the irony of all of this. Um, by the time I was born in 1955, I turned 68 later this month, mm. uh, all of those technologies were in existence. Yeah. Uh, the, the zero point free energy, mm. the electrogravitic anti-gravity that was mastered in October 1954. Wow. How do I know this? The top scientist at the world's largest Department of Defense lab here, mm -hmm. the Naval Research Labs, which Thomas Edison started, when he was in one of the vaults, mm -hmm. he saw the documentation that stated we mastered gravity control, anti-gravity, wow. October 1954. Wow. So I was born in June 1955. <laughs> so by the time I was born, we should not have had jet engines, no. rockets, cars with internal combustion engines, yeah. coal, gas, oil, nuclear, wind, mm -hmm. solar, geothermal, all of it. Yeah. Now, the good news is, it's, it's like the ET said to Colonel Corso, mm -hmm. when, when he said, what's in this for me? And the ET said, a new world if you can take it. Yeah. But who's going to be the losers here? Well, uh, you do have 
hundreds of trillions of dollars in assets in petrodollar and oil and gas, public utilities. So one of the problems with this is when people talk about a disruptive technology like, you know, a ride app, like Uber or Lyft, I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, it, it replaced taxis. Right. But this would totally transform the planet, but there will be people who will be disrupted. Oh, yeah. Okay, and I think now the, the not the big corporations that have already made thousands of trillions of dollars mm -hmm. over 150 years, but the average worker, mm -hmm. let's say you're, you're an oil rig worker yeah. or a public utility worker, mm -hmm. there needs to be a plan that as these technologies come out, yeah. we provide the training and support mm -hmm. to transition them from those smokestack industries to this new high-tech energy sector. Yeah. Because there will be huge jobs resulting from that. Yeah. We have to think this through. Mm -hmm. uh, and it needs to be compassionate to the rank and file people who would be adversely affected. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. something I've, I've said for 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. But that can be done. Yeah. I mean, we can absolutely do that as a, as a people. Right. Not here, but just globally. Globally. Yeah. Globally, we can come together as a people and do this. Uh, but ultimately, it will grow the economy. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the world's uh, poverty, I, I predict, in about 20 years will be gone. Gone, completely yeah. gone. All yeah. Of, yeah, Africa, everywhere. Right. So this is very good. Well, I always tell people, this is extremely, this is why I'm such an optimist. I know these exist, mm -hmm. and I know what the world will look like when it can be disclosed. Yeah. And it really, you know, I have now 12 grandchildren, four daughters. Exactly. It would be a whole new world mm -hmm. uh, if this could happen. Uh, and it would be a wonderful world yeah. uh, if they're used for peace. Exactly. Now, I will say, caveat, in my conversations with people in the military connected to these projects, I agree that the propulsion systems should remain classified. Mm -hmm. Now, what do I mean there? If you have an object mm -hmm. like that Tic Tac, yeah. that's Lockheed Stumpworks, by right. the way. Yeah. I it, believe it's not extraterrestrial. Yeah. Um, Newsflash, you know who made it, where it came from. Yeah, it's not aliens. <laughs> no, no. And yeah. we have a top secret witness who, who actually in 1991 saw that thing being offloaded from a C-130 transport wow. vehicle in the Azores. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You're going to see the drawing of this. He doesn't want to come forward to his ears. Okay. But he absolutely saw it. And we have another account of that identical object mm -hmm. uh, from multiple witnesses from 1967 in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Wow. So that's an old one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, now I know that when I've spoken to people like David Fraber, mm -hmm. uh, who was the F-18 Hornet pilot, he insists there's no way we had anything that could move like that. But of course, he was a jet pilot. Yeah. And he wasn't read into these compartmented operations. So, uh, you know, I always let people have their opinion. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to be honest with you, if you haven't been briefed, up to that level, and mm -hmm. if Chairman of the Senate Intelligence and Armed Services and White House presidents <laughs> and generals have yeah. been told, I'm quite sure a pilot in yeah. the Navy would not have been read in. No. Um, so I think this is for the disconnect, because it seems so unbelievable mm -hmm. to people who are your conventional yeah. uh, pilots and military folks. Mm -hmm. uh, but the truth is, is that that's the nature of, of top secret special compartmented Right. Information is highly compartmented. Uh, but I think that that is why the significance of disclosure is, is not just to correct these legal and other problems. It's really to transform the way humans 
live on the planet in preparation for humans yeah. becoming interstellar. Gotcha. So, I mean, there's a long-term trajectory mm -hmm. that if we don't muck up the whole situation, yeah. right, and create an extinction-level event from mm -hmm. our stupidity, yeah. um, we, we have this amazing, boundless future that's so beautiful waiting for us. Oh, it can be incredible. Oh, it is. Incredible. It will be. I, yeah. I've seen it. I'm optimistic as well. I don't believe in the doom and gloom. It's oh, coming no. to an end and it's the end times. I really don't believe in that. It is the best time to be alive. And I think that we're on the precipice and people like you are really pushing the forefront and getting us to the level where we can break through and yeah. usher ourselves back to a golden age. And I think we will definitely do it. Because we've be done a, it before. Yeah, global golden age. Yes. It'd be like the Shambhala kingdom. The yeah. I think it might have existed. It was in that small area of the planet mm -hmm. for the whole planet. Yeah. Because once we reach the point where there's no poverty and there's mm -hmm. super abundance, yeah. people can then turn their attention towards creative pursuits, the mm -hmm. development of higher states of consciousness, yeah. uh, meditative states, mm -hmm. um, uh, travel through space peacefully. Yeah. The, the trick here, however, with humans mm -hmm. is that in these covert programs, the tragedy is yeah. these wonderful technologies that could be used for good mm -hmm. have been turned to war. Yeah. And if you look at the course of human history in the modern technological era, almost every breakthrough, mm -hmm. atomic, nuclear, yeah. had its first application in a weapon system. Yep. And so the, the, the problem that's got to get fixed, and this gets to be a very important social, even spiritual, uh, civilizational discussion, mm -hmm. is that as all this is poised, it is coming out, this yeah. is all coming out. Um, we know this is coming out. I'm, I'm going to say something a little bit that's okay. dangerous, but I'll be discreet and yeah. how I describe it. But this is all going to come out one way or another. Mm -hmm. The question is, we need to begin having a conversation mm -hmm. with global leaders. That's why I'm reaching out to people in the UK and other countries um, about what does this look like come going after all this has is, is been known. Mm -hmm. Is it another arms race? Yeah. Do we take these technologies and weaponize them? Do we weaponize them against extraterrestrial peoples, which mm -hmm. has already happened? We have to be very careful because once you cross the nuclear threshold, mm -hmm. past the nuclear, into these technologies, they are potentially significantly more uh, lethal mm -hmm. than a hydrogen bomb. Yeah. And so we have to begin to ask the question, what are we going to be when we grow up yeah. as a species? Yeah. You know, right. we're sort of in an adolescent rambunctious phase, yeah. right? An unruly mm -hmm. uh, human. Yeah. But if we reach this point of maturity at what's been called a level one mm -hmm. civilization, Michikaku and others, yeah. um, where we're peaceful globally, mm -hmm. we're fixing the environment, then there's hundreds of thousands of years potentially of unbroken evolution and exploration. Yeah. But if we don't get this right, I will tell you, it is the end. Yeah. We're going to hit an extinction-level event. So when I say that the stakes involved with this cannot be overstated in their importance, I mean it. it absolutely, yeah. it cannot be overstated. No, you're right. There are theoretical physicists and astrophysicists that have claimed that based on just sheer numbers and civilizations that are out there in our own Milky Way, they've reached a high level and they've actually destroyed themselves. There could be literally thousands or maybe even millions of destroyed planets out there where the people 
destroyed themselves, and they're just sitting there barren wastelands. Well, some people think that happened on Mars mm -hmm. very, very long, millions yeah. of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's some evidence for that. So, yeah. you know, th there, there are lessons here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to learn from history or we're going to repeat it. Yeah. Um, but I think the extraterrestrial civilizations currently involved with surveilling and looking at the Earth, a lot of people ask, why are they always around our uh, atomic nuclear facilities? Roswell, let's not forget, was mm -hmm. the 509th Bomber Squadron, only place in the world, yep. only place in the world where there was an atomic bomb in 1947. Mm -hmm. What were the ETs so concerned about? Because yeah. they, they have seen this happen, mm -hmm. where we get on that path, we stay on that path, yeah. and that civilization is extinct. Yep. But they also know that once you get on that path, it's not far to go to the next level, mm -hmm. where you then have interstellar, the so-called transdimensional technologies that yeah. allow for space travel. Right. Because space travel has to be many, many times the speed of light. Mm -hmm. uh, we understand how that happens. If you want to visualize a piece of paper, mm -hmm. here's a point here. Uh, a thousand light years is another point. You're not going this way. You're folding the piece of paper, space right. time. Mm -hmm. You're folding it. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. We know how this happens. It's called entanglement, quantum entanglement. But on a macro scale with the whole spacecraft. Yeah. So basically, when you reach that point, if you're still violent mm -hmm. and savage, yeah. like humans are, you're now a threat elsewhere. That's right. See, so I always tell people, we're, you know, humans tend to be extremely narcissistic, and they don't do well looking through the eyes of others, mm -hmm. which is, to me, the heart of compassion of the Buddha. You have to be able to look at how does this look, this, this enterprise on Earth right now, mm -hmm. look to an advanced civilization that has come this way before us and survived? Yeah. I'm afraid that we, we look like we're in great trouble, and I think we are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I joked back in the 90s, I'm an emergency doctor, and I know an emergency when I see one. Right. <laughs> and, and this, we are in a global emergency writ large. Yeah. Uh, but most people are not open, awake to that yet. Uh, and I think part of what the Disclosure Project uh, is, is devoted to doing mm -hmm. is putting out the evidence and the information, but also a vision of how to uh, be awake to this, but not just get into negative conspiracy stuff, but turn it into a positive outcome, gotcha. socially, technologically, yeah. economically, mm -hmm. spiritually. So I think those are all big uh, undertakings that need to, that the conversation <clears throat> on that needs to be joined yeah. now. Definitely. How do you think, and this will be the last question before we close, but how do you think this disclosure, <clears throat> excuse me, can actually help, how can disclosure actually help with the prevention of government agencies like the Pentagon giving these private corporations these contracted jobs so they can hide them, and then we can't get a FOIA. We can't request information on these because they're private. Do you think that we'll see a day when this communication or this collaboration or collusion that's happening to keep these things secreted away and compartmentalized, you think there'll be a day when we can break that rain that they've got on that and make it to where we have access to see what's happening? If, if, if we can get these open hearings, or even if there is a classified process first that leads to open, mm. we have the people who can blow the whistle on yeah. that, how it's structured, mm. and then there could be reforms in the law that prevent it. Uh, I, I do know that the clock has been put on this, mm. and this is the sensitive thing I didn't uh, refer to, and I have yeah. to be very careful. Mm -hmm. But I'm working with this, 
number of teams here in Washington who don't know each other. Okay. All right. Uh, and advising and providing evidence and information to them. But there's one team that absolutely is hoping this gets resolved through the constitutional process, okay. uh, through what we're doing, perhaps with this RICO civilian law lawsuit. If there are any attorneys out there who want to join us, yeah. contact us. You'll see that we have 50 some attorneys now. We mm -hmm. can use more with mm -hmm. different specialties. We also need private investigators, mm -hmm. former prosecutors, etc. But I think that if, when we when we look at that, if that can't get resolved by pretty much the end of this year or early next year, there are some folks who are very fed up in the special operations forces community that are going to move. But that that can be dangerous yeah. and, and could result, frankly, in a bloodbath. Right. So what we're trying to do is move this very quickly. Um, I know those guys very much hope we succeed. Uh, and don't have to do what they've been chartered to do. Right. So I'm only referring to this obliquely to say that, you know, having been involved with this for 30 years, well, first of all, I won't be alive 30 more years, yeah. uh, but but I know that this this process needs to actually get come to a head mm -hmm. in a proper channel. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. constitutional, legal oversight, mm -hmm. White House, other countries. Yeah. Having conversations with people. Uh, connected to very senior government in uh, the United Kingdom okay. uh, and elsewhere. But I think this is why we need to understand that this is, needs to be taken very, very seriously by people in the, the UFO, uh, UAP community, um, but also come together to do it in a coherent way. Right. And uh, the more, I will also make an appeal, any of you who know or are folks who've been involved with this, with corporation or intelligence or military operations should contact us because the more people who come together, I think the, a very poor way to do this are lone wolves coming out one at a time. Yeah. But when you come together as a group, it re, and they, these are people who don't know each other but have different parts of this picture yeah. from different agencies, mm -hmm. services, yeah. corporations. That's what we're doing this week and weekend mm -hmm. at the National Press Club on Monday. Then what happens, it, it, it reinforces each other. Uh, whereas if you just do, if you have an extraordinary experience as an intelligence operative or military personnel or uh, a Lockheed or Raytheon uh, uh, official, and you do it by yourself, people go, ah, you know, it, it doesn't seem, you know, like that's possible. Whereas if you have five or 10 or 100, I want this to eventually become a torrent. Right. Instead of a trickle, right? Where hundreds and then thousands of people just mm -hmm. come forward. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are afraid. Let me say this: that they can't do that. I believe they can. And mm -hmm. the, the foundation of the disclosure project, which I have not talked about yeah. with you much, is uh, the unless otherwise directed letter (UNOD) we mm -hmm. wrote to the Clinton administration and all federal agencies in the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. In late 1997, 1998, we mm -hmm. gave them 60 days to respond. Yeah. And the unless otherwise directed, it's a military technique that they 